0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist.
1: Welcome to episode number 194 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Before we get this episode going, I just want to plug that episode 200 is coming soon. Except this one, there's six more episodes left. And in episode 200, I will release something that you can buy. It is a very nice little item that is both something that you can give away as a gift or give to yourself. And also an excellent way to support the podcast. So keep a lookout for it. It's coming soon. Or as they say. Coming soon. So it's the last Sunday of the month. And time for a very interesting pre-recorded talk. Previously on the podcast we have played TED Talks that were banned by uh, Rupert Sheldrake as well as by Graham Hancock. It is time for another banned TED talk because if it is banned, it must be good. Right? This talk is called Psychic Abilities by Russell Targ. Russell Targ is a physicist who spent several decades working in a US government program exploring remote viewing. Targ is convinced the effect is real. This talk was originally slated as part of a TEDx event in Hollywood in 2013, but the organization pulled their support of the event when they learned about the subject matter.
2: Well, I'm very happy to be here. My name is Russell Targ, and I'm a physicist. And it's my great pleasure to tell you about the remarkable work we did at Stanford Research Institute investigating psychic abilities. We did that for the CIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, NASA, and many, many other intelligence agencies, part of the U.S. government intelligence system. I got into all this as a childhood magician, standing on the stage in New York doing mental magic. And I had the experience, from time to time, of having a direct perception of something in the life stream of the person whose mind I was pretending to read, or whose fortune I was pretending to tell. So I was not a real psychic. I was just a kid doing magic. But I've now talked to people like Kreskin and Melbourne Christopher, and they said, oh yes, every professional magician knows that from time to time you're given some material and you can then supplement your magic trick with whatever ESP comes to you. And there are many magicians who do that, as we know. But I was not doing magic for the CIA. As we, as we know, the CIA is not easily amused, and we were trying to do the real thing for them. The work we did at SRI involved things like finding a downed Russian airplane in North Africa with code books on it, locating a kidnapped American general in northern Italy, looking into a Soviet weapons factory in uh, Soviet Siberia, describing the construction of a huge Soviet submarine in northern Russia. And we even looked at on on a Chinese atomic bomb test three days before it was scheduled to go off and described correctly that it was going to fail. So we did quite a lot of useful things for the government during our 23-year program. The ability we're talking about is a natural psychic ability that we all have in spite of what you may have heard to the contrary. People can quiet their mind and describe and experience what's happening in a distant place or in the future. And this has been talked about for thousands of years. Buddhists, Buddhists have a vast lore about what this is, and how to do it, and why it's desirable. And I'll try and talk about that later. The ability allows you to quiet your mind and describe and experience what's happening in the future. And you can do that independent of the distance. The most interesting thing that we found as physicists is that it's no harder to describe what's happening in Soviet Siberia, 6,000 miles away, than it is for you to describe the funny object I have in my pocket. 6,000 miles away does not decrease the accuracy or the reliability as compared with something nearby. Looking into the distance is no harder than looking at a contemporaneous event, and that's why this is called a non-local perception. Not quantum mechanical, particularly. It pertains to the fact that we live in a non-local space-time described as scientifically most recently by Schrodinger in the 1920s and then proved in the 1970s, and 1980s. So the idea of non-local connections is not new age. This is accepted in the physical community. The hottest topic in modern physics is exploring non-locality. It was described originally by the Buddhists 2,000 years ago, but modern physics has finally caught up. The Leaders of the program that we had at SRI are all physicists. The physicists are taking over what used to be called parapsychology. Uh, The three leaders of the program were myself and Ed and Hal Putoff, who are both laser physicists, and Ed May, who is a nuclear physicist. And we were eager that our scientific friends would not think that we'd gone off the rails into ESP research, so we made sure that we published everything we did, all of our experiments, in the world's most prestigious journals, where we would normally publish our science. So we published our work in the proceedings of the Institute of Electrical Engineers, the uh, American Association for the Advancement of Science, the American Institute of Physics, and Nature magazine. So this is not, um, I just want to emphasize that at the time we were doing this work, this was mainstream, written up in the New York Times, published in the premier journals uh, in the world. And I want to give you an idea of where I was when this all began. In the 1960s, I was a hardcore laser guy. And here I'm standing in front of a thousand-watt carbon dioxide laser at my most mavericky self. I'm trying to convince the government that I indeed had 1,000 watts coming out of this one-meter package. and You see how we've got a little meter bar there. Government thought it's impossible because their lasers were 100 times bigger than mine. So I had 1,000 watts over something a meter long. They thought that is impossible. So it's like a reprise of what I was going to do 10 years later, trying to convince the government that some other impossible thing actually happened. So in this case, the idea is that I have a big fire brick. I'm going to drill a hole right through it, and then hand the skeptical government scientists this big brick with a red-hot hole right drilled through it, and I'll ask them, "Do you want fries with that?" Or, <laughs> and eventually they supported our program. They couldn't deny the fire brick with a hole. Today we would consider that kind of thing a paranormal object. There's no way to create a red-hot hole with a fire brick because it's not flammable. So that's what I had done. That was my career. I've been in laser. I was a laser pioneer. I was working with lasers many years before there were any lasers. So this was the outgrowth of my earliest studies in graduate school. So the question that uh, led to my recent book. I wrote a book with a provocative subtitle, A Physicist's Proof of Psychic Abilities. And the idea is that proof is evidence so strong that you can't statistically or reasonably deny it. That's what we mean by proof. You can't prove scientific things in the laboratory the way you prove mathematical theorems. You prove things in the laboratory by piling up so much evidence that it's simply unreasonable to deny it. So here we are in our laboratory, 1973. There's Pat Price in the middle. Pat Price was one of our great, great psychics. He was police commissioner at Burbank and retired. He's playing here with an ESP teaching machine that was the basis of our first NASA program. My idea was, can you offer feedback and reinforcement and help people improve their psychic ability with a little random game where you have to guess which picture will be illuminated. The answer is yes, you can learn. And the great good news for you today is that game is now available as a free application for your iPhone. So, So I posted that as a little gift. It's called ESP Trainer. And you can just download it and have it on your iPhone. It'll ring a bell when you get the right answer and show you a pretty picture. So that's Pat Price. Price was an extraordinary psychic. He lived in a psychic bubble. He was an inspiration for me as to what ESP looks like in an evolved person. We were once called by the Berkeley Police Department where Patricia Hearst was kidnapped. And they said, we're so desperate, can you help us with your ESP program? shows how desperate they were. And Pat Price and Hal Putoff and I drove to Berkeley and Price said, let's see your mug book. He's a no-nonsense guy, He'd been in lots of police stations. I want to see the picture book with all the usual suspects. He turned the page, page after page, and said, that's the guy. That's the ringleader. And he put his finger on Donald DeVries, who was indeed the ringleader. It was extraordinary. But they learned that only two weeks later. The police said, well, can you tell us something right now that will help us? And Price said, would you like to know where the kidnap car is? And They said, you're kidding. He said, well, if you drive about 50 miles north on Bayshore Free on Highway 101, the kidnapped car is a white station wagon. It's on the right, parked by a diner across from two large white gas storage cylinders in the pedestrian overpass across the freeway. And one of the detectives said, well, I know where that is. That's on my way to my home in Vallejo. Twenty minutes later, they had found the car, and there were still cartridges rolling around on the floor of the car. That's as close to magic as I've ever seen in my 20 years in the laboratory. The other folks there are Bob Monroe, who wrote about journeys out of the body, how to go from remote viewing to an out-of-body experience, but that's outside our schedule for today. And I'm on the right 40 years ago, and what that shows is that if you live long enough, you get to do a lot of interesting things so this is the first in a series of experiments we did over a course of a decade and it's basically what convinced the cia to give us money that is, is a, what we played is a kind of psychic hide-and-go-seek and all the pictures i'm going to show you are like this so i won't uh... reiterate the way it works is Pat Price or the psychic of the day is in a shielded room electrically shielded room with me and Hal randomly is is sent to an undisclosed location, random target picked by the lab director. He generally will go with the colonel from the army or our lab director or our contract monitor. In this case, they went to a swimming pool complex called Rinconata Park. Price with me said, I see a water purification plant, I see a square pool 65 by 80, and a round pool 100 feet in diameter and two water storage tanks, that's what I see, and that's what he drew on the right. Actually, they had gone to the swimming pool complex, and when we got there for feedback after the experiment, we saw the swimming pool is really 110 feet in diameter and the rectangular pool is 75 by 100. So viewed from five miles away, he had the dimensions architecturally correct to 90 percent. Now, he had added in these two water tanks, which are on the right side of the picture, which are not at the location. And it's not a water purification plant, it's a swimming pool. However, and that's a story I would tell up to about 10 years ago, when the city of Palo Alto sent us a picture book showing what the city used to be like 75 and 100 years ago. 75 year, The psychic ones know all the, what the answer is going to be already. 75 years ago this was a water purification plant and the tallest thing in the city of Palo Alto were the two water tanks they show at the top Then Price drew at the left. So what he apparently did is move his awareness five miles south on Middlefield Road and describe the park where the guys were hiding and then moved his the awareness 75 years back to describe the biggest thing in the city. Off my schedule, I gotta tell you, he also described a National Security Agency code facility in Virginia. And he described that and was able to read the file folders. And people wanted to know, why did you pick this to read? And he said, well, the more in psychic space, the more you hide something, the brighter it shines. So let that be warning to anybody who's having an affair. (laughs) So the demonstration of ability test that we had from the CIA, uh, John McMahon, who's head of the CIA, said to us, you guys are wasting your time looking at swimming pools and churches. We have targets that would be of national security help. Can you describe a target and I'll send you the coordinates so price and i climbed back into our little shielded phone booth and he said well i'm psychically laying on a building and a giant crane is rolling back and forth over my body there's a huge crane it has eight wheels four on either side of the building and in this building they're constructing a 60-foot steel sphere and they're welding it together that all turned out to be entirely true in fact it was so true that after the steel sphere was verified, we then had a congressional investigation called by the House Intelligence Oversight Committee to see if there had been a security leak. This in the spirit of no good deed goes unpunished. But, uh, but the Congress eventually said what we're doing is okay, we were supported by CIA and Defense Intelligence Agency and told to press on and we pressed on for another 15 years. Another experiment that I'll show you because it's of particular interest to me is that Hal put off then went to travel. I was the interviewer through all of these. I, my vision's very poor as you have probably caught on, so I don't drive, and Hal was always the outbound person and I was the stay-at-home psychic travel agent working with the person working with the person trying to elicit a description of the distant place. So this time, Hal was on a business and pleasure trip to Columbia, South America, and each day, Price, sitting with me, would describe, I see a church, I see a volcano, there's a harbor, there's a market, and on day five, he didn't show up. So in the spirit that the show must go on, I said, Well, I'll describe it. I've never done a remote viewing before, but I'd interviewed countless, countless psychics and other visitors, so I I knew the moves. So I said, well, this is Russ Targ, remote viewing with Pat Price, Price isn't here. When I close my eyes, I see something that looks like an airport on an island. There's ocean at the end of the runway. There's sand and grass on the right. There's an airport building on the left. That's what I get. And that's where he was. He was on an island airport off the coast of Colombia called San Andreas. My great coincidence of the day, as I was driving here, I was talking to the cab driver. He was from, from San Andreas and gave me a f- color photograph of the airport on the island. How that this is my lucky day. I don't, I don't claim that's ESP. That, that's what you call a lucky day. Uh, I finally escaped from the laboratory and got to travel cross country and two other people were psychically tracking me. The first place I went was New Orleans, and no one knew, of course, where I was. And I chose my target by throwing a die on the pavement. And the die uh, sent me to the New Orleans Superdome. So I was sitting and standing in front of the Superdome recording my coordinates. This is noon, this is Russell Targ. I'm standing in front of the Superdome. It looks like a flying saucer shining in the sun. Bad thing to say. Back in the laboratory, My friend, another physicist, Gary Langford, very psychic, straight-up physicist was working with Elizabeth Rauscher, who interviewed him, she's another physicist, all these people are professional physicists interested in the psychic stuff, Gary said, well, I have a clear picture of a circular building, it looks like a giant UFO, do you think Russell's been abducted? (laughs) So Elizabeth said, just tell me what you see, make a drawing. And of course, his drawing was a remarkably accurate. This was his also first remote viewing. Gary just came in and said, Well, I've been doing this all my life, avocationally. That's how I was an analyst, looking at photo analysts, looking at specs of buildings and describing what's inside. So he was experienced to look at fuzzy images. Uh, but here, we just took away the image, but it didn't interfere with his ability at all. Our great pleasure was then to have the Army Intelligence ask us to train, to, to set up a psychic Army Corps, something like the, in the men who stare at goats, but not quite. We didn't know goats were killed in our program. Uh, but we chose six army officers to work with us from a big, big group that we interviewed, Hal and I interviewed. One of those was Joe McMoneagle, who Joe is still alive and is probably the greatest living psychic today, a prodigious psychic. And his first trial, sitting with me, what's this remote viewing stuff? Uh, All of these people are, are basically tough army officers showed up in their boots and leather jackets and their patches and their backpacks What's this psychic stuff? What do you want me to do? Betting their careers that this is a new, interesting uh, juncture for them. So I described remote viewing as I always do. I've been doing workshops now for 20 years. My, my ritual, the shibboleth, is close your eyes, quiet your mind, and describe the surprising pictures that, look in your, that appear in your awareness. Don't try and name it. Don't try and guess just described the surprising images and that language was understood 1200 years ago it appears in Patanjali's guide self liberation for seeing with naked awareness if you want to move from suffering and conditioned awareness to freedom and naked awareness sit down and shut up and quiet your mind stop naming stop guessing and you're on your way so that's what I'm still still telling uh, people following the 1200 year old guide boy. as a author it's very nice for me to see a book still in print 1200 years later it gives, gives me courage that my books will be around so joe drew this picture he said i stare at he and his colonel his colonel went with hal put off and joe said i see a building with stripes in front and a long portion behind and a little fountain he drew what was there and of course the judges had no problem matching that with our six army officers that i'll describe later these six people who had never done this before i had them each do six trials a week and we had each one so we had 30 for six weeks so we had 36 trials you'd expect them to get six first place matches by chance we got 19 first place matches and they set up the Psychic Army Corps and ran another 15 years. They had 30 people on the East Coast working in tandem with the SRI group. So this is Hella Hammond, the funny story with her. Hella's my dear friend for two decades before the SRI program. And they said, well, uh, Pat Price is a fantastic psychic. Ingo Swan is the one who taught us how to do remote viewing we want to see what a control person is. CIA said, what what does an ordinary person do? Well, Hela's not exactly ordinary. She's a woman of the world, speaks many languages, professional photographer, but she thought it would be very amusing uh, to be hired as a psychic of the various things that she had done in her life. So she came to work with us. The bottom line is she became the most proficient and most reliable person in the program for the decade. Our control subject. Her first trial with me, as you catch on now, we're sitting in a shielded room. Hella says, "When I close my eyes, what comes into my view is squares within squares within squares." That's what Hal Putoff sees, and he was at a pedestrian overpass. Hella's nine trials were even more significant than Pat Price's nine trials. In Price's, the judge guessed. Seven of them first place match. What that means is that if Hal Putoff had been separated, had been kidnapped nine, day, nine times in a row, Price would have found him seven out of the nine times the first place he looked. Very remarkable. So here's Hella Hammond and Ingo Swan. Ingo taught us all how to do remote viewing. The way it worked is that Ingo taught Hal and me how to do remote viewing. Hal and I taught the six army officers. The army officers taught the world. So if you look at Google right now, we're still up on Google, and search for remote viewing, you'll find more than two million pages dealing with remote viewing, operational things to do with remote viewing. Two million pages is quite a lot of pages for something that many people don't think exists. (laughs) So at the end of the decade, reason for showing this is people get better in remote viewing. There's no decline effect. So at the end of the decade, we're still doing experiments with Hella, who's a kind of technophobe. She can change the batteries in her light meter, but she's a non-technical person. She th- finds physicists very amusing in their unworldly ways. But, but in this experiment, uh, we gave her the coordinates for this in, lati- in binary form. Someone was concerned that maybe she had memorized the globe. So we gave her the coordinates, 10011110 0, 0, 1, 1, 1, 1, west one one something north. She said, well, that's a pretty pattern. Uh, what comes to mind is a belly button shaped energy expander. This is, a, this is your, your photographer, your artist, belly button. The target is the Berkeley Bevatron, which is indeed an energy expander. And she drew this middle drawing with the four beam tubes coming out of it going to a target building and the belly button shape is the bevatron and the picture from the laboratory is shown on the left now i've been looking at this picture for a decade and it occurred to me as i'm writing my current book that my opinion see everything i told you up to now is true my opinion on this picture is that she wasn't actually looking at the site, which is a big mass of concrete and steel, but she was looking 10 minutes ahead at her feedback picture because her drawing is anomalously accurate to the picture that we showed her at a later time. So she was really cheating here. She wasn't wasn't looking at the Berkeley Bevatron. Instead, she just looked ahead a few minutes to see what we were going to show her for feedback. And during that process, she said, this is such a complicated thing, I can't grasp it, I want to make it out of clay. So this is her clay model of the bevatron with the hole in it with a circular particle beam, four beam tubes in the target building, 50 miles to the north. She absolutely had never seen a bevatron before. And of course, the people interviewing her had no idea what the target was. So how do we evaluate these things? The effect size is a measure of the power of the experiment you're doing not necessarily the statistical significance you can inflate your statistics by doing millions and millions of trials the effect size takes out the fact that you've done millions of trials and says how powerful is this experiment so the idea of proof is that when the government was doing tests the nih was doing tests to see if aspirin helped men avoid heart attacks, they did this experiment and eventually the thing had such a large effect size they stopped the experiment because they didn't want to deprive the poor controls of the benefit of the aspirin. Got it. The effect size was so high they stopped the experiment. The effect size got all the way up to 0.06. And here's the NIH report where the effect size is 0.06 standard deviations. All of our experiments exceed that by a factor of 10. So if the NIH thinks that, the, this is my little argument for proof, if the, if the NIH thinks that they have proven that all of you should be taking aspirin and the experiment is so strong you gotta stop it and give aspirin to the poor controls, that's what they mean by proof. Stop the experiment, it's proven. Our effect size is 10 times what they had. So in our experiments we did with Pat Price, were significant at odds of almost one in a million, more than that one in hundred thousand. His effect size was more than 10 times the NIH. So this by itself is an experiment more than one in hundred thousand. In Hella Hammond's experiments, it was even more significant than Pat Price's experiments, even though she was a control subject. The army people, which is sort of my pride and joy in that we just brought in six guys, taught them to do remote viewing and they did astonishingly well. Effect size again, ten times the uh, aspirin experiment. And I was working with the army people that led me on a career of doing workshopping for the past decade, traveling around, just teaching people to re- do remote viewing. On Google, you will find many, many people teaching you to do remote viewing. They all can teach you to do remote viewing. Remote viewing is easy to do. I have a chapter in my book where it describes if you work with a friend, you can quickly both become psychic. Remote viewing is a natural ability. You don't have to eat porridge at the feet of your guru or pay anybody thousands of dollars. <laughs> this is a natural ability like vision or hearing. Psychic abilities are not sacred their abilities, they allow you to experience all kinds of remarkable things. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But here are all these guys, highly psychic. At the end of our program, right after I left, I formed a little organization called Delphi Associates. We were using remote viewing to forecast silver futures, working with an experienced remote viewer. We did nine forecasts, whether silver is going to go up a little, up a lot, down a little, down a lot. All nine forecasts were correct. We made $120,000, which is a lot of money in the 1980s. And we're on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, BBC Horizon, NOVA made a film about us. In the 1980s, ESP still existed. (laughs) (laughs) And there are now many, many organizations and groups of people using this associative remote viewing, which is invented by my friend Steven Schwartz. It's a way of, even though you can't read psychically, it's a way of making substitute items for what you want to know. I can't explain that, you have to read my book, has a chapter on associative remote viewing, which is an easy guide to investing in the market. You do not have to give away your mind to be psychic. That's not required. You can be discerning and be psychic. I recommend that. So you have to decide now. I've given you a sample of what we did during the first decade of SRI. We did experiments for the government, we did operational things, finding all sorts of... We even looked in on the American hostages in Iran. Success and described that one was going to be evacuated because of illness. So you have to decide, is the statistical evidence from our experiments at SRI strong enough to make you think that something like ESP really exists? exists? Or do you think it was just our lucky day and we were successful in fooling the American intelligence establishment for 23 years and live to tell the tale? So you you get to decide which of those is more likely. Now you can use remote viewing these days to find your car keys. We just had an example of using remote viewing and not finding the car keys and that happens also. Or you can find a parking place even in Los Angeles and we were exemplary successful doing that yesterday. So you can find your car keys, find a parking place you can make money in the stock market, and my opinion is that the most important thing you can do with remote viewing is discover who you are. Now, it's important for me to tell you that remote viewing is not a spiritual path, but if you learn to quiet your mind and move your awareness into timeless awareness, you are likely to begin to experience things that surprise you, give you another view of reality. For example, if you look in the mirror in the morning, and think that who you see in that mirror is who you really are you're in for a lot of suffering in my experience my opinion is that who you really are is non-local awareness independent of space and time you are that awareness that allows you to move your experience to move your consciousness to move your perception anywhere in the world independent of space and time and this was described in great detail as I mentioned by the great Buddhist teacher Padmasambhava in the eighth century where he said you have to give up your desire to name things and grasp onto them and guess what they are because in the universe it's really empty of names as you may have noticed but you can give up your desire to defend your ego and what it says on your business card in conditioned awareness And if you think that you may not be made entirely of meat and potatoes, then you can move your awareness into naked awareness, experience the universe as it is, and find a uh, transcendent way to experience uh, the world. My invitation for you is to explore this transcendent place, and then as a scientist, next year you can come back and tell us what you experienced. Thank you.
1: If you want to check out more on Russell Targ's work, go to espresearch.com. That's espresearch.com. Massive amounts of subversive
3: art. Gays in the military. Now, I don't know how y'all feel about it. Gays want to be in the military. Here's how I feel about it. All right? anyone dumb enough to want to be in the military should be allowed in. End of fucking story. That should be the only requirement. I don't care how many push-ups you can do. Put on a helmet. Go wait in that foxhole. We'll tell you when we need you to kill somebody. You know what I mean? I'm so sick. I've watched these fucking congressional uh, hearings and all these military guys and all the pundits. Seriously, moral, the esprit de corps will be affected. And we are such a moral... Excuse me, aren't y'all fucking hired killers? Shut up! You are thugs. And when we need you to go blow the fuck out of a nation of little brown people, we'll let you know. Until then, where did the fucking military get all these more? We are the military! Is that a village of children and kids? Where's the name I don't want any gay people hanging around me while I'm killing kids. I just don't want to see it. Don't tell me this military protects our freedom. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, there ain't no one out there who's a fucking threat to us, okay?
4: This is all you got to do for the Middle East, okay? All we do is we just, you fucking, you embrace solar power. That's it. How do we do that? How do we do that with the oil companies? If somebody fucking, if we, if we actually went in a solar direction, wouldn't a bunch of planes start crashing that had the leaders of the solar movement on them? Yes, that would definitely happen. They would definitely take them out. So what do you do? This is what you do. You give the sun to the oil people. Okay, you draw up a contract and you say the sun is yours. Alright? Now what are they going to do with the sun? They can't put it out. They can't touch it. It'll burn their fucking hands. But they just make the money off the fucking, uh, the solar power. Okay? And if they could just somehow handle that those people in the Middle East are sitting on a bunch of goop that they can make money off of. If they could just seamlessly fucking walk away from that shit. If I was president, I would literally give oil companies federal fucking grants to fucking get the solar thing going. You guys own the sun. I would just keep walking, but you own the sun. And they'd be sitting, well, what about the stuff and the stuff with the Middle East over? Dude, fuck that stuff. All right? You know what that stuff is? That that stuff's like, uh, the, the it's like an Atari. It's like the Reebok pump. Nobody gives a shit. Okay? This is the new shit. This is the new shit. We're giving you the fucking sun, son. You understand that? You own the center of this solar system. All right? And every fucking little bit of heat that comes off that thing that trickles down onto my freckled, bald, goddamn head, you own you put a fucking meter right on my back. I don't give a shit, okay? And I know what you guys are thinking. Ah, Bill, this doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't give a shit. Listen, listen to me. Hear me out. You give these people the sun. You give them the goddamn sun. All right? And then what? What happens over in the Middle East? They're sitting on all of this fucking goop. All right? And all of a sudden, it's not worth It's not worth diddly squatting okay and all of a sudden the fucking the bills start piling up they don't know what to do they start selling their properties over here they want to give money to the terrorist groups they don't got the money to do it you fucking bleed them dry then that's it and then they go back to doing whatever the fuck they want to do over there god forbid they live their lives the way they want to live it over there God forbid they're not into Jesus and Starbucks. God for fucking bid. They want to walk around in some clothes that are actually functional for the part of the world they live in. You just leave them the fuck alone. And then all they got to do is just keep driving around in cars and all of that shit. So they, you know, they'll make a lot less money. But they won't have us over there going, hey, you should do this and you should do that. We just get the fuck out of there. Then we're over here. Solar powered Everything. Right? Just think about everything. Think about your shirt. Solar powered. Everything. Everything fucking solar powered. I know what you're thinking. Well, Bill, what happens at night? You go to bed. What do people do in Alaska during the winter? Fuck them. Giving you the fucking sun, son.
5: The great thing about a horse is that you can put it in a hamburger. The great thing about a boat is that you can use it to get fish. The great thing about a car is so you can drive to the supermarket. The great thing about a TV is so you can find out what you want to buy at the supermarket. The great, 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 great thing also about the TV is that you know what's going on. You know what is happening in the world. And I understand if you think that you get all your information from the Internet. But really, the great thing about the Internet is that if you did not have an Internet, how can you pay for your Internet connection? If you did not have Internet, you would not be able to pay for the Internet. If you do not have a place to live, how can you pay rent? What human beings really, really, really just want to do is they want to be able to pay the bills. So please, for the love of Jesus Christ and for all the glorious miracles in the world, can you please just allow us to be able in peace and quiet, to be able peacefully and blissfully to just be able, just be able, just make it possible for us to be able to sit down and pay our god bills. bills.
0: It's time to win me again. I will. Yo, I will.
1: His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. this vomit on a sweater already. Forget it, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms. Well, I'm not sure what that was. Uh, A stream of consciousness editing, I guess. A collage that I put together. Sometimes art should not need to be explained, nor have an explanation. Although I was pretty pleased when I managed to mix Nirvana and Eminem together. Now, if you really like this podcast, I mean if you really, really like it, and you simply cannot get enough, you can always listen to other stuff I make. Deleted episodes, deleted segments of episodes, special rants or thoughts, mysterious collages like the one you just heard, etc, etc. All this additional material can be heard over at patreon.com forward slash alchemist. You can find a link in the program notes uh, of this episode if you want to go there and support. For whatever amount you want, you can get access to all this extra material and also get access to these episodes before they are officially released. So you can stay ahead of the curve. I don't know how many podcasts you are listening to, but but I bet not many of them are devoid of adverts. You will never experience ads on this podcast Unless some company is willing to give me a million dollars per episode. Uh, So you will never experience ads on this podcast. Only ads that promote the podcast itself. So let's keep it meta. Now, if you like the next bit of this episode, go to nastynachos.bandcamp.com because the album is called 8-Bit Crush and that is also the name of the song. So let's rock out, take it easy and freedom is in the mind.